You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here, on my right... We've got Mr. Martin Page. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here, Mike. Thank Page you. Boy. It's good to see you, brother. It's good to see you at Christmas time. I, mean, I haven't seen you for ages. No, but I only, I only come out at Christmas when it's, <laughs> when it's a special occasion. And this is. Uh, <laughs> and next to him, we've got the one and only Bobby Osinski. Bobby. Hello, Mike. Hello, everyone. Bobby, we got, we're going to talk later, Bobby. I, st- I still need some clarification. Okay. Uh, maybe I just need... Just some support. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so needy. That mic is so needy. And then across the table, we've got the one and only Brandon Birdside. Brandon! What's up, Mike? What's up, guys? Brandon, how you doing, brother? Good. Doing well. And finally, over here, we've got... Well, actually, not finally, but over here on my Penultimately. Left, <laughs> nearly. We've got, we've got Mr... I couldn't have done this podcast without him. Yeah. Nick Peck! Hello, Mike! Tonight, Nick Peck is replaced by Hanukkah Harry. Happy Hanukkah to you. We're going to have some nice chocolate coins and play with the dreidel. <laughs> and finally, joining us from Dallas, Texas, the only way we know he's alive is the fact he moves every now and then on the Skype screen. <laughs> <laughs> the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Now cast, Mr. Rob Arbiter. Mm. Hello, everyone from lovely downtown Dallas. <laughs> downtown Dallas. Now, whereabouts are you staying downtown? What hotel? I'm currently at the Hyatt Regency in oh. lovely downtown Dallas, which is quite nice. Actually. Yes, that is a nice hotel. <laughs> so if you're listening, stop on in. See Rob. It's so funny. If you've done any road touring, it's like whenever, you talk to, like whenever I talk to my tour friends, you know, one of the things you always get down to talking about is like all the different hotels because everybody like stays. There's like, you know, Sportsman's Lodge over here in, yeah. in LA, the Days Inn over in New York. I mean, there's like rock and roll hotels that everybody stays at. So it's pretty funny. Well, all I can say is the, the High Regency is lovely. And if you're in downtown Dallas, come and visit me two weeks ago, which is when I was here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we've got a lot to talk about. This is our holiday Christmas show, Hanukkah show. We've got um, a lot to eat here as well. Mike. Yeah, we have a little, a little <laughs> table of food in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> and if uh, if I sound a little out of breath, it's because you're doing everything. Yeah, it was a rush to get everything <laughs> up and running, but uh, Nick helped out and it, uh, it worked out, so it's all good. So uh, we're all in the festive mood, but I got to tell you guys, I just want to start the show on something on a on a tech bummer. And um, I did something, and I, it's kind of, I know it's Christmas and I shouldn't be angry, but it kind of made me really angry. And let me tell you what happened. My uh, MacBook, I had to totally reinstall the OS from a clean install. Because what was ended up happening was Final Cut Pro, which I'm doing a lot of uh, video stuff on right now, totally died and... I had to get up and running because I literally had a deadline that I had to I had to reinstall everything that I needed and do the edit all in the same evening because <laughs> oh, I had a deadline. Oh, 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 it was bad, all right. So what I did is I I reinstalled. I did a I did a fresh clean install. I reinstalled the whole operating system, which actually wasn't too bad, right? Um, and then I did Final Cut and I did my my video stuff, right? No no problem. Got everything done. It all came back. Everything came back. Everything was good. I backed up, uh, you know, 
I really recommend you guys backing up because yeah. it makes life so much easier because mm-hmm. I could blow everything away and I knew I had several backups of that of all my information, so that wasn't a problem. So I got my edit, no problem, everything went well, and then made my deadline. And then it was time to do all my audio software. And let me tell you, here's a couple things that happened with the audio software. I worked, there was two companies, and it was just amazing how polar opposite they were in a lot of things. And I'll tell you one of the companies that I gotta give kudos to was Waves, actually. Waves plugins. Um, I had the Platinum edition, now this is gonna, I'm take two minutes. It's kind of going to bore some people, but basically, I had the platinum plugins for TDM, right? They no longer make TDM, so I wanted to downgrade because they were holding a big special where you know six hundred bucks I could upgrade to the Horizon um, bundle, and uh, which was pretty good. That's the one right below Mercury, which is basically every plugin you'll ever need. So I sent them an email. Not a problem. They downgraded me. It was awesome. It worked out great. I upgraded. So basically, I got Horizon. Native for like 600 bucks. It was great. Loved it. Then I, <laughs> then, I went, then I went to go upgrade all my other software. And I have Ableton. I, have, I mean, I've got everything. So I was upgrading. Then I went to go upgrade Pro Tools. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, it's not that there was really a problem with upgrading Pro Tools. But when I started digging in and reading some of this stuff... I was just so angry at a lot of things. First of all, um, Pro Tools doesn't support Yosemite yet. And I didn't go up to Yosemite. I wanted to, really, but which is the latest Macintosh operating system. But they don't support it. Why don't they support it? I guarantee you, come NAM time, they're going to come out with Pro Tools 12 and they're going to charge you for that upgrade to be. But are, because, w- w- which version of Pro Tools were you on? Well, I want, right now, I had to go to 10, but I want to go to 11 and I want to run it on Yosemite, but it's not... It's not workable. So you can run. I hear it works, actually, though. Yes, but. Avid always plays these games of saying, well, you know, we haven't actually tested this yet, so we can't verify it, so they don't take any responsibility for. All my plugins are all Yosemite blessed, but I can't run it on Avid, so I. For me, it made the most sense to stay. I went to Mountain Lion. I stayed on Mountain Lion because I can run Pro Tools 11 and I can run Pro Tools 10. Um, But it irked me that in order to get. To work on Mavericks, you had to upgrade to 11. And then in order to get to work on Yosemite, you're going to have to upgrade to... to, I guarantee you it's coming around because they they always... It seems they really need to keep the cash flowing so they just take advantage of their users and they keep on piling it and piling it. But the thing that really made me angry, and it was because I, I remember this from last time, is you can upgrade to Pro Tools 11 HD if you have Pro Tools, regular Pro Tools 10 and the producer's kit. But you can't upgrade to Pro Tools 11 HD software unless you do a hardware upgrade. And the minimum of the hardware upgrade is $5,000. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And, and, and their official reason is because of the fact that um, in order to maintain the consistency of the quality of the, of the experience. And I'm like, so wait, all those guys that have the producer's pack, you know, you don't care about them. They're able to do this upgrade. And it's just kind of ridiculous because they were running this thing where $600, basically, you can get the latest upgrades if you already had Pro Tools HD for um, like 18 months. They were running, which slowly they're going to try to wrench you the software. They're going to go after the Adobe model of software. Mm. But it just it really irked me that, you know, once again, they're just trying to milk every last dime off of the, off of the uh, 
the user base, off of the people mm. that already use their stuff. Mm. But you know what really irked me even more? Boy, you are angry. No, I love it. You're building up. You go, Mike. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. What really irked me even more was the fact that if somebody came up to me today and said, I can only use one piece of software and I want to have a job in audio, what would it be? I'd say Pro Tools. Because really, that's the only software to really, if you really want to make money, no matter what, if you want to work in post, if you want to work in music, whatever, it's it's Pro Tools. And they know that, you see. They yes, really know that. and that's what makes me angry is why, why hasn't anybody, and this is what I kind of wanted to open up really mm. quick, why hasn't anybody really threatened their dominance? What is it that they're doing right or everybody else is doing wrong? I want to hear from Rob on this because you, you seem to have a more insight on this or, or a more inside uh, uh, connection about this. About which aspect of it? Well, you seem to know a lot of people inside Avid. Well, yeah, although I'd say under the uh, the newest regime at Avid, a lot of that communication that used to flow so openly has sort of dried up. And I know a lot of other people who had similar inside connections to me who are not communicating nearly as much with the company as we used to. Rob, why do you think no one's really kind of made of a big threat to Avid and to their software dominance in the whole DAW. I mean, you've, you know, Nuendo's tried, Kibay, you got all these other things that have tried, but it just, I mean, I have a couple ideas, but it just, nothing ever seems to knock them out and there's no real threat really. I think part of it is that, you know, in the scheme of things on planet Earth, it's not that big of an industry when you consider the amount of money it takes to develop a rival product. I think <clears throat> some of the alternative products have just never marketed correctly, and it's unfortunate. And when that happens, a lot of them sort of get the stink on them, like they're never going to overpass Pro Tools, even if they're a better product. But, I mean, Avid is honestly making it easier and easier for a great competitor to come along yes. and win. But it's not, compared to what other software can generate in other industries, Yeah. I don't know if it's worth, unless someone had a real, almost irrational passion for audio and music, as did a lot of the people who started this industry, I don't know that it's a great business decision. It certainly seems like the right dedicated team with the right funding behind them could mount a serious threat. I don't know why Nuendo hasn't. Okay, but what would you change? How would you make it different? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Pro Tools. You know, I think one of the basic things about some of their competitors, right? And there's some great, there's some, you know, you got Bitwig and you've got Ableton, you've got, you know, Reason and you've got Logic and you've got Sonar and you've got, um, what, what's Wolfgang's, um, Studio One, you've got, uh, Reaper, you've got, um, (laughs) you've got Harrison. And I know these because I own all of them, but I'm just going through my library. But, you know, one of the things that some of these software, what they do is they they make things a little too cute. I mean, Pro Tools is pretty cut and dry signal path. I mean, well, that- to really to really take over though from Pro Tools, you've got to speak post and music equally. Right. Right. Most of the companies you mentioned only speak music. No, no, exactly. So I that that's that was actually my point number two was the post. But the first thing is is if you look at the the signal flow and how things lay out and how you can do buses, it's very console esque virtually and yet at the same time it's it's very clean you go from point a to point b you're not a modular you know environment and you're not um trying to do anything too cute it's it's cut and dry the second thing is exactly what what rob 
subset is what keeps them is their posts, their post ties. And there's a lot of crossover between post production and music. You've got a lot of music guys that do post production, and you've got a lot of post production guys that do music. And there's a lot of crossover in, in that area. And I just think the fact that it that got the stronghold when it started speaking machine control and it started doing really cool things like post-conform and OMFs and things like that that some of the other software, if they do it, they don't do it great or they just recently can do it or they don't do it at all. You know, and I think that's one of the things, but I don't know. I, I, just, I understand what you're saying about the market being kind of small, but you know, there's... Music's not going away. Generations are growing up. You've got, you know, Bitwig is now the big thing that's that's come out recently. Um, they're running some great, you know, you go to Sweetwater, you can get, you know, an Atoria bundle with um, Bitwig for like 400 bucks. So, I mean, there's there's ways to, to get into the market. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking, I mean, you're a, you're a logic guy? Uh, well, yeah, I've got like six things to say here. <laughs> so let me try to remember which, which they are. Yes, I am a Logic. I, obviously, I use Pro Tools, but I love Logic Pro 10. And it's $199. Yeah. And it's from Apple. And it doesn't crash. And it's really good. And so I have to say, sorry, Rob. In my opinion, it's really good. And in the opinion of a lot of MIDI-based composers, almost all of the ones that I know use Logic to do their primary composition, then they take their stems and they bounce them out to Pro Tools for mixing. That's been a, you know, that's been sort of a, a process or a flow that I've seen a lot. Why don't they because stay in, in, in Logic? I have the, Logic also. I totally forgot that I, one. Too. I prefer mixing in Pro Tools tremendously, yeah, and I think see? most of them do as well. Or if you're going to take, let's say that you're recording um, an orchestra and you've also got MIDI accompaniment to it, so then you'll go and you'll record the MIDI stuff in Logic, then you'll go to a Skywalker Sound or an Abbey Road or something like that, and you'll record through the big console you'll record the whole orchestra into Pro Tools and at that point you're mixing you're in Pro Tools so that you're there and you're going to stay there for the mixing you can mix in Logic yep. you certainly can there's no reason you can't everyone I know uses that that process that signal path so I don't know why um, another thing I wanted to say briefly is I know a couple of people who are once a month forcing themselves to do sound design and post in Reaper instead of in Pro Tools. Yep. Just because. And Reaper is great. Yeah. It's really great. And, it's, and it's 70 bucks. And it speaks post. It's fine. It's fine. And so they're forcing themselves to switch over. And there are you know keystrokes that are out there. There are keystroke sets that you can get to put into Reaper yep. that make the keystrokes identical to Pro Tools. There are themes that you can put on Reaper that makes it look exactly, well, you know, the same color scheme at sure. least as Pro Tools. It doesn't look exactly the same. But the point is that there are people who are doing it, and it's because they're tired of Avid sticking it to us. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say along these lines was exactly the same thing that you did, which was last week, I was going through my Gmail email box, and I was cleaning it out. It was in the promotion section, and I saw an email from Avid saying, upgrade to Pro Tools 11 for 199 bucks," And I was like, fantastic. I finally will upgrade Pro Tools Tools 10 HD to Pro Tools 11 HD for 199 bucks, and then I clicked on it, and it was nonsense. Of course, going HD to HD was 599. They hadn't changed anything. It was the same price it had been. I thought that I'd got lucky and gotten into a Black Friday special, and finally I said, "Forget it. Pro Tools 10 is just fine. I will keep using Pro Tools 10 unless I have to change." That's you know, that's one of the amazing things. I know so many people who are staying at 10 because they just don't want to make that investment. They either have a big investment in their 10 system or they just don't feel like spending a ton of dough on uh, on the next level so we'll see I, you know one thing that's amazing is is you know you you find your little 
piece of software you like, and people tend to just be really loyal to what that is. Rob, did you want to say something? Yeah, the other thing you can't discount about what would be so hard or what makes it so hard to compete with Avid is the large format and the different console options at the high end. The, lar- the large format. Oh, the controllers, you the mean. The controllers. Yeah, the controllers. I mean, the big controllers like you'd see on dubbing stages and stuff. You know, the high end always has some kind of a trickle-down effect. And until you hear of some other software with major hardware support being installed in big facilities, yeah. you know, that high end is going to be owned by Avid. No, you know that's so true because I just got the uh, the artist control from, <laughs> from the uh, from Avid and it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I will say it works. I know uh, the the road to it getting to work was really difficult from what I was reading, but once you have it installed and it's working, it works fine. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And here's another thing. Okay, I'm going to give you guys some inside information. I'm doing a big demo over at the NAMM show this year, and API gave me carte blanche to put together the ultimate little recording rig. And when I said the ultimate, I mean, they're, they're literally like, go ahead, do what you want to do. What would be your ultimate? And so the base is Pro Tools, right? And I'm using an Avid S3, which is amazing, working together with a box. It's, it's just a killer little rig, but once again, it's all tied with Avid because it really, if I was going to put together an ultimate recording rig, ultimate mixing rig for a small studio, that was it. And I just couldn't do any better than that. So it's right. You're right. You know, until you can see some of the big boys, you know, working with controllers like that, you know, they're still going to have a stranglehold. Now, why do you think that uh, Nuendo Cubase never really gave them a a run for the money? Is it just because... They had a. You Bob know, said marketing, right? Yeah, well, marketing. Or was it marketing? Or? Pocket, pockets weren't as deep. Pocket, okay. It was, was it a head start type of thing, or what do you think? Yeah. I think so. They just got, they were in well, first, and it was hard to. In the beginning, it's very clear what they did, did wrong, and that was that they sent music guys in to sell a product to post people. Hmm. And that was a mismatch, and they'd be sitting there talking about tempo and MIDI and all the stuff that post guys are horrified by. Uh, <laughs> as a, except for, you know, the forward-thinking guys. But there was a huge disconnect in the way it was marketed originally. I think it has improved, but I think once you do it so wrong in the beginning, it takes quite a bit to get over it, and it's not like they've done it well enough to completely erase the past. You're absolutely right. And one of the problems at the beginning of Nuendo, because I I was working with Nuendo a long time ago, is, and this is where Avid benefited with their video side of things, is... Avid understood the um, relationship between the picture editor and the the mixer and the sound editor. So they had OMF working really well and working pretty bulletproof. And at the beginning of Nuendo, it was hit or miss. There was OMFs that I I literally could not open, and I had to have the I tried the editor to do a couple little things like you know delete all the fades and stuff like that, and it just they just OMF wouldn't wouldn't work. But other ones would work fine, and you can't have that, especially in post production. You know, it's, no, you need the reliability. And yeah. the other thing is that the Steinberg and Nuendo never had the mixer as intuitive as it was in Pro Tools, and that's a big deal. I mean, the mixer has a million more features than Pro Tools, but when it comes down to actually sitting down in front of something that feels like a console, yep. Nuendo just never felt as pro and as, as high-end and natural. 
Well, you know, I'm going to wrap this little segment up by saying as we come to the end of uh, 2014, let's, let's hope that 2015, that there's some little developer out there <laughs> who's just, you know, writing some genius little program. I guarantee you if I find it, I will absolutely spread the word. <laughs> it's already there. It's called Reaper. It's like 69 bucks. No, Reaper is cool. I will say that. I mean... Yes, it is cool. There's some things they could do better, but sure. But there's some things that they are really, really, really great at. So it, it's really cool. All right, so I just wanted to wrap that up. Um, on the heels of that, we had a, uh, a listener on Facebook wanted to talk a little bit. Um, I just want to squeeze this, squeeze this in before the break about audio interfaces. And he asked me about, you know, can you guys talk about audio interfaces? And I sat there and I thought about it for a second, and then I realized, you know, I'd love to have a nice long conversation on audio interfaces, but I think the audio interfaces of today, they're all pretty good, you know? Hard to go wrong. Exactly, yeah. it really is. So, they're I mean, so much better than they were 15 years ago yeah, or 10 would, years ago. It would be a hit or miss conversation. I mean, there wouldn't be anything to say. It's like back in the day, you could say, well, you know, this has a lot of flutter and this has a lot of this and the clock on this one and the clock on that one. But nowadays... Even the cheap ones. Are yes! It's amazing how good they sound, you know? And and so here's the thing with audio interfaces. I think you just buy what you can afford and just know that you're not going to go too far wrong. I mean, the the more expensive it is, you get a few little better bells and whistles, you know, when they coast in the I mean in the um in the example of like uh, Universal Audio, you get their software, you get some of the emulation that they do. Um, Focus right, you get great sound, um, you get some software there. But really, you can't go wrong on a lot of these audio interfaces nowadays. So that's I have a, an idea. Why? why don't we go around the table and everybody mention one audio interface that they really like? It doesn't have to be the best one, but All something right. that they really like. Or you what st- you use. Yeah. Or what you use. You start off. I will, I will, absolutely. So my favorite audio interface that I have is the Sound Devices USB Pre 2. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is it's portable, it is USB 2.0 compliant, so you need no drivers for it. It is built like a brick, sh- you know. Um, it, you could stomp on it, you could run it over with a car and it would still work. And the sound quality is fantastic. It's great. I love taking that around with laptops and things. Brandon. At work, I'm just using a little simple one. It's a uh, M Audio. Profire 610, like I, I don't have much need for a big board, everything's in the box or a big audio interface or anything, so it works well. It's a, a like you're saying, it's a cheap one, but it works well. I just went from a couple of Metricalo mobile IOs to a um, Universal Audio Apollo Duo. Nice. And I wasn't sure if I made the right decision, it sure was easier. And the features were really good, but uh, I'm using it for my podcasts, and I kept on getting a lot of of uh, feedback saying, "Wow, it sounds a whole lot better all of a sudden." What did you do? So um, I think that speaks for itself. May, Pinky boy, well, it, it's me. I'm the best audio. <laughs> in the it's me. It all goes through me. I'm the songwriter. That's the start here. You are here, aren't you? Yeah. It has to come from my fingers and my brain, really, at first. But actually, Mike, you should answer that because you put my studio together. So what what interface do we use? Say you have a Pro Tools system with a 192. I have a Pro Tools. One... With a 192 audio interface. With a 192 interface, yeah. I love it. It's a great sound. I'm really happy with that. 
with a with a big Ben. Um, with a big Ben as well. Go. Big Ben because it's English sound. I love it. It's really good. <laughs> I'm the only untechnical one here. Rob, what about you? Well, for me personally, I, I have a, a ton of Pro Tools interfaces, and I still mostly use the blue ones, and they're awesome. Uh, and use them on many products or projects. I can also say I'm sitting here in Dallas, and I'm holding it up to the Skype camera. Here's the Apollo. Nice. So impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good. And here's the Apogee Duet that I carry and use for a ton of stuff. And the truth is, all of these and the Pro Tools interfaces, I say about a lot of things these days, they're not good or bad enough that they're going to save a terrible song or ruin a great one. Mm-hmm. You know, they all sound good enough. If you get really tweaky in your AB, you can hear the comparison, but any of these modern interfaces are good enough that it's, it's up to you to do something great with them. And I will say, any of the interfaces sound better than the Skype connection that we, <laughs> that we have with Rob right now. I got a question for you guys. Do you think with the, the quality of these modern inter- interfaces that can you noticeably tell a difference when you're using a, a clock like a, ben, a Big Ben with you know one of these interfaces? Um, well, we with did. The, with, we did. With the 192, yeah. we absolutely did. But that's yeah. an old. I mean, that's 10 years old. That's an older interface. But, but, yeah. it's, it's, but it's beautiful. And I mean, it, we just, noticed it. Yeah. A stable clock. You know, if you want to check your clock, if you, I don't know if you have a clock. Let's say if you have some, a friend has a Big Ben or anything, the best thing that you can use to check a clock is a hi-hat. A hi-hat, it's such a... It seems like such a simple sound, but it's such a complex sound that what we noticed that immediately. We had to focus a little bit. It's, it's a little bit like you know um, having a Dimension D, you know, one of those old, mm. very very sort of mystical chorus units. And at first you go, I can't. What's going on? And then all of a sudden you get it, and you you fo- focus on it, yep. and you can see it, and you can hear it, and you can tell. And we found that with the Big Ben. At first we were like, uh, and all of a sudden it was like, wow. You just have to, you know. We had to really focus our eyes, and all of a sudden, it was obvious to us. Yeah. Now, having said that, I've uh, I had a Big Ben, and I have I use Focusrite's. Um, I have two of their interfaces. I have mm-hmm. the um, the Sapphire Pro Forty, um, which we use for the podcast, and then I also have the Scarlet, um, the big one, the twenty twelve or whatever. I don't know whatever the model number is, and and it sounds great. It has a great clock. The hi hats sound like they're really locked well. It's it's not. It doesn't warrant enough for me to, um, you know, try to lock it with with a, with a big band. I, I think technology, just like anything else, it's just clocks have just gotten better. The chips have just gotten better. But really, if you if you have two interfaces, an old interface and a new one, let's just say, and you want to check. The, it's the hi hat that really kind of nail it to us because it's the difference between a nice. Just that you can hear that edge. To it, it sounds, it, it sounds a sounds little mushy. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a yeah. little yeah. right. The jitter uh, yeah. is causing time to mean smearing. It, it's a, yeah, yeah, it was slop. It was yeah. slop to me. Yeah. Everything was a bit sort of uh, sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly everything just went, just jarred in, and you could just yeah. feel it. Yeah. And if you have an old audio interface that you're using, and you don't want to change, but you want to give it some new life. Then find a big band, find a clock out there because they're really inexpensive now. People are dropping them left and right because, you know, they're, the need isn't there because the quality is actually better. So, um, see if you can get your hands on something like that, you know, clock your, uh, your system to it and you'll like, 
oh my goodness, I can't believe that's what I was used to, you know? So anyway, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break right now. And then when we come back, we're going to totally change the theme. It's not going to be angry. I'm not mad anymore. We're just going to leave Can we drink the whiskey now? We can drink the whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. And before the break, Martin was telling us all kinds of really technical things. Absolutely. I, you know, <laughs> I'm full of it, aren't I? I'm just full of it. Martin, I've been having trouble with this calculus over here. I was kind of hoping that you might be able to help me with the derivative. Show. This, is a, okay. this is a Christmas show. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do that after, okay? And okay, if anybody thanks. else has any thanks. problems, you know, I'll do it after. Right. Hey, really quick, I'm, I'm totally, we're just, we're going to totally go away from audio for a second. You were involved recently with something really cool. I was. I we got to talk about that. Because mm. that, I, uh, that email that you sent and the video and everything, just, this is just, just, just talk about it really quick. Um, it was great. I, um, I didn't expect it, but I was asked by the British government to play in a, in a special football match. Um, the British consulate over here had sort of, was going to arrange a very special soccer game um, because it's the um, 100 years since the armistice happened in the First World War when the Germans and the English came out into no man's land and um, basically um, didn't fight and they had a game of football for about 20 minutes before the guns started again. So this was organised by the Football Association in England right. and also by the government. And we had, a, we had um, celebrities playing. We had, I was actually being marked by somebody from the royal family. Really? The 51st in line. I felt like saying to him, you're never going to make it. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, 51. You're never going to make it. You're not going to get there, you know? <laughs> but it was, a gra- it, was a, it was a really incredible day because my grandfather fought in the First World War. And so we wow. we did it very special. We had a minute silence before, and we um, we had a lot of uh, we had just had a very very special occasion, and uh, it was very nice to be asked by um, the government to do something like that. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, it was great, and it was a four four draw, and we all played well, and it was just a one of those special things that uh, happens once in your lifetime. You know, it was a wonderful wonderful occasion. And afterwards, did you? Start fighting again? Yeah, oh yeah. No, as soon as the whistle stopped, we all went at it like like savages and said, well, it was the First World War, let's finish it off. You know? <laughs> so it sounds like it was a really great time, man. It, it, was, it was. It was very special, Mike. And, uh, you know, it... <clears throat> it's very rare to do something like that, right. and, and because my grandfather had actually fought in the First World War, it just made it even it's fantastic. Most of the players out there had had, you know, um, family that had been that they could that relate to that had been involved in that war. And I mean, of course, that was nineteen sixteen, nineteen fourteen, and so we just stopped like they do. They've been doing it in England now for the last two weeks. Every time there's a major professional game, they stop for a minute silence just to remember that and we were wearing special shirts with poppies on them and wow. uh, no it was one of those situations that you, you you'll never forget we all mm-hmm. really enjoyed it wow that's fantastic yeah um, moving on um, Bobby uh, I wanted to talk to you just a little bit um, one of our listeners listened to the podcast that we did last time we were talking about streaming and, and selling and I was 
messaging him back and forth, and <laughs> he wanted me to ask you is if they have a demo, I mean, not a demo, if they have some music that they just finished, are you saying that you shouldn't sell it, you can't sell it, or you wouldn't sell it? They want it, they, they it finished where? just out in the market, a digital download, I, iTunes, you know, Amazon, any of those things. Yes, of course, sell it. Okay. Yeah. No, so, I, I hope I didn't give anybody the impression that you shouldn't, that under no circumstances, should you withhold it. So you can still sell, but also stream also as Absolutely. a as a okay. Absolutely. Okay. And that's that's what I thought, but I just wanted to make sure because <laughs> Well, you know, I think the whole thing comes down to the the Taylor Swift pulling her catalog from Spotify and that's confused a lot of people saying if she did that, there must have been a good reason. Well, there was, but it doesn't apply to anybody else in the world. And so basically what it was was her record label of which she owns part of wanted they want to sell right and for them to look a lot better and make more money in the sale they need more of a bottom line and what are you going to make more money of with right now in 2014 well the more CDs you sell obviously at 10 bucks a piece rather than you know streams or downloads or whatever thing so that's makes it rarer yeah, as well that's yeah, one of the reasons rarer. why they did it there there are some other reasons as well but i mean yeah. you know that that basically is what it comes down to it but no i think you should be anywhere and everywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. and if people want to steal it if they want to use it for whatever they want uh, I believe, and I always have, your music is your marketing. So get it out there any way you can. All right. that You know what? That makes me feel better about the whole conversation. I was depressed after I last. Yeah, because Bobby was saying, it, you know, you know, stream I, I, it all. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, you, I mean, I, I, do, I do it with my solo records on CD Baby, you know, and we're on Spotify. And, um, you know, over a period of time, you suddenly realize, like Bobby's saying, that uh, uh, some certain tracks really catch on. And you'll, you'll look at your, your, your sales of your CDs, and then you'll look at your, your streaming. Obviously, it's going to be much less. But, you, you know, you, if, over a period of time, you're glad it's there. And you're glad that you're getting that extra $10 and that extra $15. And as Bobby says, you start to look at the streaming and, and see that there's maybe a certain song that everybody loves. And so it actually helps you, in a lot of ways, as an artist, see with the streaming what songs are really working. Uh, you, know, you, get but, good, you get good feedback. But it's not only that. It's just the fact that there's, we have a small pie right now that are talking about the streaming pie. And it's getting larger and larger and larger and larger, mostly because there are more people that are streaming and paying for it. And we've only really scratch the surface of what's possible. Yep. So in, in a few years, and you know, the really the assumptions are anywhere between three and five years, uh, we're going to find that the market is back to pretty much where it was because mm. of yep. all the streaming, which is going to be very healthy. Mm. If you own your catalog. You yep. know, and, yes. and if you don't, and if you're signed with a the label, then you know, you're not making as much money because the label is <laughs> taking most of it as it usually does. Yep. Well, good. I, I, we won't go more into that because we covered that last time, but I, that, I think there's a little confusion there about that, so I, I really wanted to clear it up that, yes, you can still sell your stuff, but don't be afraid of streaming. And oh, don't be yes, afraid yeah, of, no, you can do it. You've got to embrace that. Yeah. And, what, and I would imagine, do you 
stream all your stuff, or can you hold a couple tracks for exclusives for you know? You, buy you can. It doesn't. It, does it matter? No, it, it really doesn't make too much sense to do that. Uh, there's no advantage. Uh, especially if if you're not in the upper echelon, if you're Taylor Swift or someone like that, you might be able to do it and 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 make it worthwhile. Like for instance, if, if I were Taylor Swift with her new record, what I would have done is I would have streamed it except for maybe two songs, right? And made those exclusive on the CD, so there's a reason for buy for people to buy the CD. Mm-hmm. That that would have made more sense mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So in that case, yes, I, I would have said. You know, right. there's a good reason to hold it back. But for anybody else, for the most part, that makes a lot of sense, probably. A lot of sense. Yeah, and I think, I think, yeah, because there's a lot of confusion there because people, you know, confuse streaming and confuse selling the, the whole, the whole shebang. So, and also, I think a lot of people look at it and they go, "What a pathetic amount of money for a stream," you know. And you've got to get past that and just, you know, just go like it's a different world now, you know. And, and for me, I looked at recently, I thought, "Oh God, sixteen dollars came in from streaming." And then you look at one song and you've seen that it's been streamed. Somebody's paid to play it eighty times, and you go, "Okay." That's working. That song means something to somebody, you know. Yeah. Great. <laughs> All right, moving on. Hey, uh, I, w- I had this rare moment in my life where I got to slow down for a few hours. <laughs> really? I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was a weird situation because I had this time to myself, and I don't have a lot of time to myself, right? And... At that moment, you really find out what's important to you, right? It's the stuff where you have time to yourself and, and you're going to do what? And you know what I did? I went to my studio and I just sat and I created. And I had a great time just creating and just playing. And the stuff was flowing. And it was really, I, I, I wrote this piece that I'm just so proud of. And it was just came from this place of creativity. And I wanted to talk to you guys. And I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about those moments. And how often do you have them as often um, how it affects you? Is it like your therapy? I mean, you know, as we head to Christmas and everybody's feeling good about themselves and feeling good, or or maybe you need an escape and you need... I mean, what happens in that moment? For me, it was just a time of creativity and I felt, I felt really good and I felt slightly sad. There was this somberness of, about the, the moment, but it was... It, the creativity was flowing. And, and I just wanted to... Ask, and I just wanted to go around because it seems like you see, you read a lot of things, and there's a lot of things about creativity, and people find it hard to create. And people, you know, where do you get inspiration from? And Martin, I'm sure you get asked about songwriters and things like that. And I just wanted to go around and find out what's what's kind of like your perfect moment. I mean, where when you want to create, where do you where do you do? What is that? Is it is it music? Is it just playing a piano by yourself, or is it actually getting in there and you know turning all it on? Is it you know, Bobby, is it writing a book or is, you know, and what are, tell me about those moments. Tell me about a perfect moment of creativity for you, Nick. Well, I think the first thing that I would say is that I really think that creativity is a muscle. Um, and I'm not the first person to say that, of course. Um, the more time you spend being creative, the more time you spend being creative, right? Um, it, it, once you're able to open up those pathways and really get there, um, it becomes easier and easier to That's be able to do more of that's that. That's a great point. That's a great way because when you yeah. listen to stuff 
when you first start writing, some of it kind of, at least some of it kind of sucks. You listen to some of your later stuff and you're like, yeah, it's not too bad, you know? Well, part of that is the craft of experience as well, right? We all do things where we learn more and more about um, how it, what it is to be a composer. I mean, Martin just pointed it out beautifully when he said, look, he was checking out his stuff and seeing that there was a song that he had posted to Spotify and somebody had listened to it 80 times. And so the feedback that he got from that was that there was something that he did in that song that was resonating emotionally with the person in the audience who was listening to it. So I think that part of it is just the physical craft, right? You learn the more time you spend as a musician, the more advanced you become in terms of chord progressions and in terms of proficiency on your instrument, in terms of new ideas that allow you to be able to move past, you know, really the most basic stuff. So there's that. But beyond that, um, but outside of that, I think the more time that you spend Allowing yourself to experiment and allowing yourself to let yourself go and be more in tune with those creative pathways, the more those pathways open up and they go from a little trickle to you know a wide freeway, a flowing river. If you were going to have a, what is your perfect time to create? Is it being in your studio and just not having any uh, outside influence? Is it the morning time, the night time? What does that look like for you? For me, well, the perfect time for me is when I am working on music that I don't have to write for something. So it's not applied music that I'm using to make a living. It's me sitting there and doing something with absolutely no uh, strings attached, right? It's a, it's for my friends with benefits music. I don't have to. Uh, I'm not doing it for any reason other than because I want to. And that for me often is just me sitting at my piano when there's nobody else in the house. That's awesome. Because I have about as much free time as you do. And so it becomes that much more poignant and that yeah. much more meaningful because of that. Yeah. Yep. Brandon, what about you? It's very similar to you guys. Um, I'm also a guy with very little free time to myself. So it's, it's you know, trying to block out all these distractions is the toughest part because sometimes you just need to marinate in that, you know, get in that creative space and, you know, sit there for, you know, however many hours it takes and just experiment and play around until you really get into it and get something really good. Um, but yeah, so this Christmas I'm spending time with my family, but I've also pre-scheduled a couple days for myself to be in my studio with no other responsibilities That's just awesome. to mess around if I want to just jam to along with blues you know old blues music I can do that if I want to record something I can do that just I'm so looking forward to this yeah, yeah. That's great That's great mm-hmm. Hey Rob what about you Man, you're a busy guy. When is there a, a refuge creative refuge that you go to or what does that look like? How does that happen? Uh yeah, I mean Honestly, for me, because, yeah, I am crazy busy and I've been traveling like crazy <clears throat> and my life is divided between the software company half and the music half. And each half takes about 90 percent of my time. So it's, it's been pretty intense. But over the years, especially in all my years of doing commercials and movie trailers and stuff, I can sort of turn on and off that sort of creative zone moment with a switch. And most of the time I can get into that. And it's just from having done it a million times. I can get into that creative zone pretty quickly and come out of it pretty quickly when I need to. But what I have found is when I run into writer's block or I just get stuck and I can't think of an idea, it's usually, <laughs> it's usually as soon as I decide that I'm not going to find the answer and I just relax about it, that the answer comes. That's cool. So it's after I've panicked and really tried to focus. Luckily this doesn't happen as often <laughs> as it used to, but um, so about how when I'm done focusing and I and I say, okay, this isn't going to happen, I often relax and then it does come. But I'm constantly working in my head, whether I'm on an airplane or in a car or wherever I am, 
I'm working in my head and I consider that time to be sort of pre-production so that by the time I sit down in front of some gear next, I've got a lot of ideas that I'm ready to try. That's so. ge- that's genius. That's a great idea, man. That's that's putting that that downtime to work for you, or not downtime for you to work. <laughs> yeah, Bobby- I, I honestly don't think I have any downtime I, because <laughs> I love the creative side of what I do, and so if I'm relaxing, that's what I'm choosing to do while relaxing. Yep, I'm exactly the same as as Rob. Um, I'm constantly creating uh, something on some level. Yeah, constantly from the time I wake up until you know I go to sleep. There's always something to create most of it's on a deadline or most of it you know there's a reason to do it so it's not like i sit down and and have the freedom to spontaneously create that doesn't happen so much anymore and i'm okay with it i actually like the fact that there's there's stuff demanded of me yeah it's okay uh i must say uh it is muscle exactly like you said nick one of the things that always reminds me of that is when I'm producing or engineering. And since I don't do that every day, the first day or two back doing it on a project, it takes a while to get my ears on. And then you begin to focus and zero in. And what was acceptable, you know, day one and day two is certainly not acceptable day three and onward. Right. Where now you zero in on, on sounds, you zero in on performances, you zero in on all, all the nuances. So it does take some time. And, and, you know, I think that just goes to show exactly what you said, where, you know, when you're not using that particular muscle, it, it, it does atrophy a little bit, at least for me. But anyway, I, you know, again, I have a similar uh, uh, experience to it, Rob. Let me ask you a question: Do you ever, do you ever write um, just for the sheer pleasure of writing? Yeah. I well, no. Let, let me put it like this: It's always for the sheer pleasure. Okay, of writing. Nice. that's that's a great. It's always that's, excellent. That's I good. I don't do anything I don't want to do that's anymore. At, at this point in my life, everything is fun. Everything is. And if it's not, I don't do it. You know, that's that is so true. I mean, it really is. Yeah. I, I I feel blessed a lot of times doing stuff, creative stuff, and making a living doing it. So I, I totally, yeah, that's that's awesome, Bobby. That's awesome. Pagey Boy, how about you? You know, I'm probably a little bit different to everybody here yeah. because I, I'm not sort of working quite as hard as you guys are. I'm very fortunate because... Um, you know, I've been writing for a long time and a lot of the songs from the past have sort of given me a little bit of freedom to um, actually challenge myself with trying different things. But, you know, when I really think about it, this is going to sound all very noble and, and all very sort of, uh, you know, too religious. But but to me, I know that I wouldn't function unless I was being creative. I realised when I was a young lad that I was my happiest and I was more healthy when I was... Um, being creative, right, whatever it was, if I was dr- drawing pictures or I was um, trying to act in a play or something or trying to write a book, I, I found that I was always a boy who was going to want to try and emulate the things I loved, you know, so if I heard a good song on the radio, I would try and emulate it. If, um, That's very noble. <laughs> it, is, it is, you know, and I know it sounds a bit grand, but I, I really do feel that um, I'm healthy if I'm being creative um i know that when i'm not doing that 
I'm not the best person I can be, you know. Um, I'll, I'll fall into a trap of maybe being a little bit too dark and a little bit overthinking things. But I know that when... Um, and I see... I really do appreciate I've got a studio at home where I can walk in and um, and I can let... And I actually don't know... I lose a sense sense of time, you know. I, I've I've worked for years under deadlines. I've worked in in a real pressure cooker of of those years when you've got to break through. Um, and now I would say my hardest job is to motivate myself to say you've just got to keep on doing this. But then when I try to say to myself, maybe you should retire and stop and just lay back a bit, I'm not as happy. And I don't function anywhere near as as good. So it's 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 actually air to me. That again sounds noble, but it's something that I think is so important to me being a good person. No, it's how, true. How often do you overthink things now? Um, um, well, you know, just even coming here, I'll I'll drive for two hours before I get here, I, so that I can play um, about six or seven songs and that I'm working on and. Um, I've never been so prolific in my life ever than I am now. I may not be the most commercial, but I think I'm more prolific. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's a, I am writing more than I can actually... Are you, so you're saying you're more spontaneous now than, than you are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah because, because of, I'm, I'm, I'm 59 years old, so, you know, you're very, very aware at this age that um, you actually want to try a few things you've never done before. You play the bass a little bit different. You're gonna, you, you know your voice has changed. Your octaves have come, come down a little bit. So you, record, you take chances. I mean, I'm doing instrumental albums. You know, and I'm and I'm I'm look, working on themes and and orchestrations, and then I'm going back to doing a funk record, and then I'm moving across to doing, um, you know, a folk record. Um, it's just almost at my. I, this is a funny thing to say, but I sort of feel really fortunate that I've lived this long, and that I still love music, and so that I go, hey, I wouldn't. I'd love to do a reggae album, and you actually, and and I'm the kind of guy that will study one thing for about three months really hard and then I'll emulate it and then put my own thing on it. But, you know, I'm a veteran. So you can, you know, it's like Diane, my manager, just said, you know, that they've just done these dreams on The Voice, you know, and I didn't even know what the show The Voice was. And you go, well, that's really, those songs when I was really working hard have allowed me a chance to still be, again, the word noble in what I want to do as a creative person, right. you know. Um, and I, I don't think, when I've tried to stop not do you know, stop it and go, you know, I fight myself and not really, I think I'll just go and write a book and wander around and count the bank accounts. I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not happy. I've no, got, we're I've not got, happy either. I've got, to be, <laughs> I've, got to be, I've got to be doodling, you know, I've got to be doing something. And when we leave today for the podcast, I'll be in the car straight away thinking about the four songs I'm working on now. And my, my best creativity comes in the car playing the tracks yeah. because as I, every time I get in the car... And the, and the greatest collaborator I have now, which I didn't have in the younger years when you're so ambitious, is time. Mm. I'm now able to listen to a track for a long time and go, yes, I absolutely know the colour that we should be fighting here. But that's a luxury. But that's where I am because I'm, you know, I've, I'm still doing it at a late stage and I think that's very fortunate. You know, it's amazing uh, being around you as much as I am, Pagey Boys. I've noticed um, your patience in your writing has has really paid off. I mean, I, I, you can you don't rush things, you know. It well, just, I'm very kinda, old, Mike, kinda, and uh, <laughs> takes a while to get down the staircase to the studio. You know, <laughs> Rob. Yeah, I mean, uh, in talking about creativity, one of the things I 
said before is that there's no such thing, if you're an artist or a creative person, there's no such thing as creative time and non-creative time. You never know when the inspiration is going to hit you, and you're just going to be the type of personality that's open to it whenever it hits. Whether it's time that you're planning to be creative or not, you're always open to that creativity. There is such a thing as production time and non-production time. Right. But there's no such thing as non-creative time. And you should just realize if you're trying to force creativity at some moment and it's not coming, it'll come later. But I don't, I don't actually think of any time as specifically non-creative time. That's true. Uh, you know what? And and I, I, I want to bring up here what you said, though, Mike. I just want to add quickly that you know people that are working so hard and under deadlines, you know, for them to get through it and to be successful and stay healthy and not take the wrong turns, you've got to actually sort of look at it as a thing you have to do. You have to break away from the intensity of the fire to you know see yourself clearly again. Otherwise, you're just in a machine. But, but see, that that sort of leads back to. The question I was asking you about overthinking. Yeah. Because when you're under a deadline, you can't overthink. That's true. Yeah. I think that's a balance. Yeah. I think sometimes being under a deadline is fantastic. Um, but also, it's that real thin line between it's saying, instinctual. You have to yeah. be instinctual. Yeah. Absolutely. Balancing I, it. Yeah. You know, as someone who has a deadline, you know, per hour, you know, on a daily basis, sometimes you get so, like, in the moment. That you're just functioning on an instinctual mm. basis, and then it's not till later on that you like can like sit and, and just yeah. observe or listen or like, hey, that was that was pretty good, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, there was this one block of programming that I had to do, and it really wasn't until I I saw it on TV, I was like, no, that wasn't too bad. That actually all the pain because yeah. it was super painful with changes and things like that. You know, really, Bobby, you you made a great point in, in the whole creativity thing. Is you know, you really kind of have to like what you're doing. Oh, you I know? think you have to love you do it. it. Yeah, you have really. to you have to be like to be creative on demand. Um, you really have to love what you're doing. And and I can say, like in my case, I love it. I love all of it. Like I loved having time to be creative on my own music. But you know, one of the things that I loved about that time was I also loved just reinstalling all my software and just cleaning up and doing all the tech stuff. I mean, I love building racks. I think that's why I was I was really good at it on the road is I just loved all that that tiny little technical stuff, getting everything running. For me, there was no greater like sense of euphoria than having a show go off flawlessly. It was like, yeah, the only thing that beat that was when there was a giant problem in the middle of it and then the show still went off then you're just like it was just it's euphoric so you just gotta love what you do you know and if you have to you know that's where that creativity is going to come from because I, I think you open up right you open up your sensors you just you just you just another, know. another thing i think we don't, we don't relate to is we all of us here probably love a result you know whatever we work on we tend to think like there's going to be a result you know we, it's not like we're just jamming and going hey great i don't i don't that doesn't mean anything we actually are trying to create something where we can say it's actually finished in my mind, right. you know. So I think the re- the result motivation is very important in creative people. And you know, speaking of results, not only in your own stuff are, do creative people, I think, kind of bask in. But I bet if I asked everybody else, everybody here would say they love to see other people's creativity. Right? Oh yeah. Like I love going yeah. down to in Brandon's studio, going up to his studio, and listening to the sounds that he's doing and they'll play me hey look i'm doing this and i'm doing that and i listen to some of those sounds and i'm like holy smokes that sounds awesome you know you know someone um i forget how this came about but 
I was talking with someone and, and asking him uh, somewhat about this, and, and there was a quote, which was, perfection is failure. From the standpoint that you can never achieve it, and if you keep on following it, you'll never finish. And I thought, wow, that's kind of brilliant because. And I also think is that I, I, you know, the artist, whoever does it, the painter or whatever, he's the only one who really knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah when, right. it, when it's completed, yeah. and we we all feel like it's not really ever completed. Yeah. We're always pushing it to the limit, and and uh, but really, it's only the person who does it who can say this. I think is is where I want it to be. You know. Yeah, and I think we just should celebrate each other's creativity too. You know, there's a, so much negative, and I hate it when people start saying, "Oh, that sucks," or "That's horrible." Or stuff because you consider the source right if you're that person who's always saying all that kind of stuff then you know i bet your drawer your well is a little dry because i most of the creative people that i know are open to it may not be their cup of tea but they can appreciate the creativity of others people's uh, at whatever level they're doing. we're inspired by what we hear about absolutely yeah. absolutely and and i keep on coming down to like Brandon stuff because I remember when I first met Brandon and he starts playing me all these cool like shut up all this little stuff you know I was like that's amazing I kind of hated him because it was really good <laughs> it's like the mix the mix sucks <laughs> but you know one of the first projects we worked on was um Terminator Salvation oh, yeah, yeah. we did a that remix a time, yeah. of a, a Nine Inch Nail song and it was just and the stuff that he came out with was just like, and I'm mixing this thing. I'm just like, this is just brilliant, you know. That was fun. So Mike, you, Mike took my shitty mix and, excuse me, my, my bad mix and made it good. <laughs> no, but it was it was great stuff. I just, I don't know. And this whole creativity, when we start talking about creativity, and I just, you know, it seems a lot of people are looking for inspiration, and a lot of people are looking to be creative. A lot of people, you know, what inspires you? You see questions. You know, I know you get them from fans. You know, how do you, you know, write this song, that song, but. You know, it's that it's the unknown, it's the muse, it's the thing that's out there. You know, I don't know what well, it is. It, you know, driven is a big thing as well. I think you know what Bobby was saying. Then you know, we're we're driven, and we love it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sat around the table now, still talking about it. You yeah. know, so we're driven, and um, I think I. Re- I realized, as I was saying before, as a young boy, probably all of us had this, that we just we were our happiest when we were creating something. You know, on that note, on that note Driven, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just inject a little bit of something here. This is going to go to a lot of the students and a lot of the people that listen to this that are just starting off. You really have to be driven. You have to be intense and you have to know what you want and you have to there's a certain amount of intensity that you need to do. Passion. Yeah, yeah a certain amount of passion. And you want to get things right, not because it's a job, not because you're getting paid to do it, is because you want to get it right. So if that means you want to tab to the transient and make sure it's in sync, then you do that. If it means that you, you put in the extra time and and you make sure stuff is right, then you do that. You know, having some experience of, you know, working with some less driven, you know, people you know, driven is you. You can't fake that. Absolutely. You know, and if you're not yeah. driven for it, look, there's no harm in like you know what this just isn't for me, and taking it. But you like guarantee you, every guy that's on the panel, every guy that sits around here, the guys that aren't even here, there's not one of them that isn't driven by the passion to keep doing their craft. Yeah. Mike, I got to jump in on that uh, very briefly. Sure. Um, I just hired an intern uh, at Disney, and the level of quality of resumes that I got was breathtaking. And I then, you know, winnowed that down to interviewing about seven people. And the quality of most of those seven people were phenomenal. And then I brought it down to four people. And then, you know, my whole team interviewed them. And I could have hired any of them. I mean, they were great. 
uh, and I ended up hiring the best of the best of the best, but second place was just as good, and it was like, do I want green or do I want blue? So... You know, to the people out there that are trying to break in, the people that are in there that are that are trying to get in the door, it can happen. But man, you have to seriously have your act together, yep. and you have to really, really want this and be very passionate about it and very focused on learning as much as you can. Yep. Having said that, you know, when it all clicks, there's nothing I would rather do than what I'm doing right now. You know, it's just such a great way to make a living. It's such a great way to to live. It's a lifestyle and um, you know, as we're going on to the Christmas, you know, and the holiday season and, and uh, thinking about next year, I'm glad, you know, 2014 is, is over and we're getting ready for 2015. I can't, 2015 is like the future, right? I mean, that is like, when I was a little <laughs> kid, that was like, oh my goodness, Jetsons, the whole thing. I just, time is flying. 2001 so was the future. <laughs> it's just crazy. So really quick, we're going to wrap this up, but, but um, just for fun, just make a make an audio prediction for 2015. Go really quick. Uh, uh, there's going to be a new note invented. <laughs> It'll be <laughs> come so on, thirteen ton. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, I'll tell you what. Really quick, <laughs> things will be strikingly different over at Avid. That's mine. Maybe a little wishful thinking, but we'll start right there. Uh, Anything, come on, somebody make some... <laughs> All right, I reckon I there's going to be more funk out there. I think there's going to be more <laughs> players playing live, and there's going to be more awesome. going back into the old school a little bit, and I think I they'll think it's modern, but I think there's going to be more rhythm and blues and funk. That's a great one. I think you're right. Bobby, how about you? Any, any trend, any prediction for 2015? Well, more streaming. The streaming pie will get bigger. Uh, there'll be more people that will see the light on that. And we'll see a couple of new services, new streaming services. Oh. We'll see what will Apple will call. I, I'm not sure what they'll call it, but it'll be Beats Music. It's how they incorporate the the new Beats Music, and Great. also uh, YouTube. The new Music Key will finally wow. uh, launch. Yeah, so, yeah. Brandon, I don't know if it, it's a prediction, but it's something I'd like to see is just you know some more. Really, just inspiring music. Something that you know, you know, we get jaded after a while. I just want to see, you know, a couple albums or something. And I'm like, wow, holy, you know, holy crap, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, that's what I would like to see. That's wishful thinking, but that's yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> what about Nick? Seriously, do you have a serious one that you think of? A serious one? Yes, I would love to see in 2015 uh, an audio interface that has a built-in control surface that is sounds great. The ergonomics are awesome, and it's affordable. You take those three things and put them together, I think that would be phenomenal. Wow, that would be like an inexpensive S3. Um, Rob, how about you? Prediction, wishful thinking for 2015? My prediction is that Avid will come out with Pro Tools 12, and it will cost $10,000. <laughs> it will not include any features that I said were deal breakers 15 years ago. <laughs> Uh, and then they will announce a new line of very expensive hardware and already announced that it's been obsoleted and will not work with Pro Tools. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, actually, I'll tell you what I predict in pro- for me for next year is all of the hardware and software I'm using now are absolutely fine unless I see anything that truly <laughs> is a revolution uh, I'm loving making music and producing music and mixing music right now. The tools are awesome. 
And obviously, I can always be swayed by something new and amazing, but it's been a few years since I actually said I'm unable to accomplish something because of the tools I have. And so I'm predicting next year to be a lot like that. Awesome. That's great. All right, gang. Well, once again, we're wrapping up 2014. This was a great year. Our podcast did really well. We hit over 500 um, likes, and that's like... And people just keep finding us. Our little downloads are going up and up. We solved the whole uh, download crisis over at NetFirms, which I'm going to try to get off of the rest of our website. So um, we're hosted on Amazon S3. Um, it's a little more expensive, but it's not uh, it's not too bad. But uh, it seems really stable, so that's really kind of cool. And the website is still in the upgrade process. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, one prediction is we're going to be back in the new year, and we'll be doing some more shows. Um, before we go, anybody working on anything that they want to talk about? Open up anything? I know Rob's out there in Dallas doing all that fun stuff that he does. Yeah, I'm, uh, tomorrow I'm going to be traveling to Austin to work with The Misses, uh, the band in Austin that I've been producing, work with them for a few days. There's some big things brewing for them next year. This was an awesome year for them. You know, We did the one video that has over 5 million views now and uh, we've gotten some national TV attention and that's all going really well. And so we've got some big things planned for next year, which I will happily talk about once they're all locked in. Great. How about uh, Brandon working on anything you can talk about? Yeah, we just finished, uh, it'll, it'll have aired by the time this airs. Uh, we just finished the Ant-Man trailer, the newest Marvel release, and uh, working on the, the latest uh, Fury Road, Mad Max uh, cool. trailer now. So yeah, some fun stuff. Cool. Bobby? Um, I'm finishing up uh, mixing an album, and hopefully by the end of the week it'll be finished, which is really good. Uh, I'm also in the middle of uh, producing a couple of songs for Snoo. This will be beginning of their fourth album. That's almost finished. And um, my uh, hundred and one mixing tricks. Oh yeah, plug that because yeah. I wanted I wanted you to to talk about that. Yeah, hundred and one mixing tricks. Big studio tricks for the small studio. It's a video course of hundred and one mixing tricks, and uh, they're all pretty cool. Um, you can find out more and actually get four sample tricks at hundred and one mixingtricks dot com. That's awesome. Yeah. And, what a busy man. And by the way, um, before the podcast, Nick was glowing about... About the 101 uh, mixing <laughs> tricks. Bobby's mixing trick about the Abbey Road reverb is worth the price of admission alone, especially considering the fact that it's free and you get it just by going up and subscribing to uh, 101 go. mixing tricks. I liked it so much that I shared it with my entire audio department and none of us knew about it. So a whole bunch of audio professionals that were really excited about it and everyone's saying, I'm going to try that on my next record. I'm going to try that on my next <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic stuff. You got anything? Yeah, um, I do. Um, we just uh, Disney just released a whole new line of uh, early childhood education apps called Imagine Academy, and we did all the audio for them. Wow. And so we released six apps all at once, all about math, Mickey's Math Galaxy, or something. And wow. now we're working on other ones. And so anytime that I have the opportunity to be involved in uh, helping children learn something, it makes me very happy. That's great. Pagey boy, how you doing? I'm doing real good, matey boy. I've, I've I can actually say that I'm maybe a, a fraction away from finishing the next album, so it'll come out in 2015. 
And around the edges of that, I've been doing, as you know, some right. atmospheric instrumental albums, which they're finished as well. So I've got a few things um, waiting to come out on my label, Iron and Board, and uh, we put our new office together, which is nearly finished. And a fun thing was, uh, as I, around the edges of that, I've been archiving... All the all the demos I wrote all through my career and remastering them, and I've just recently reached out to Paul Young, who I worked a great deal with, um, and uh, we're back in touch. And he <coughs> looks like he's going to put out um, a kind of basement tapes album. Really? And the same would go west, and because of course I've got the demos of King Wishful Thinking and Faithful, which we which on the demos sound pretty phenomenal. And I did a lot of work with the band that stuff that people haven't heard. So Go West and Paul Young are um, sort of going to use a lot of the stuff I did at home back then which does sound very vibey so that's awesome the archive work is looks like it's going to come out which is a thrill to me because the demos were pretty special so very exciting with that I will say man I I, I don't want to overhype this but I've heard that music that you're working on and it's oof, it is really good oh, I can't wait to get it out gonna, Mike I, I, I can't wait to get it out so that I can finish this exuberance yeah. that I have but I'm kind of holding back but thank you Mike I it appreciate is really that really Really good. Thank you. What about you? What have you been up to? Um, nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I've been, uh, I've just been working, uh, doing the series that I, that I do, and then uh, picked up a nice little outside gig for some educational videos, which is kind of fun. But you know what? My big thing right now is I'm shooting a ton of video, and I just got some great film gear that is just mm-hmm. Amazing and um, and doing a lot of stuff for it. It has to be said the little dem- the little video you did for my song Me Marina. I mean, it's like we're up to five hundred thousand people watching. That. I know. Wow. And every- everybody's talking about like what a video, what a, what a, what a, what the way it was done in black and white. And I'm going, <laughs> wow, that's Mike doing it. I must do some more work with it. You yeah. know what our budget was for that? Zero. <laughs> we- Thank you. I yes, I do not pay anybody. <laughs> no, I never do no, pay people. No, no, it wasn't <laughs> stingy. Page you. Yeah. <laughs> you were reluctant. I mean, you were you. Mark was a little reluctant because you know you're just kind of yeah. reserved. But then I said, "No, we could do it. We could do it." And I had I had yeah. a little DV camera, and I said, "I'll make it kind of stylized and stuff." And you're a sport. You did really good. And no, it, I took it off. I mean, that video is just really gone well. But you know, yeah. the secret of that video is really the performance because that's that's what sells. No, no, it's like. you. It's the work you did. It's nothing to do with it's me. It's the black and white. No, no. It's, it's you, the black and white. That's right. The mono, the monochrome. No, no. It's like you can, it's the performer, you know, when, you, yeah. when you're when looking at a, a music video, you can tell some, if you can nail it with the performance, if you can sell the song, it's just going to make the video that much better. Well, you've got to do but some anyhow. some work for my new album. Well, I will. Yeah. I will. Wait till you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I'm also you know doing a lot of stuff for API. So just a little tease for the uh, for the NAMM show. If you guys can make it out there and go to the API booth, you're going to see a great, great setup. It's I mean the case alone is worth the price of admission. So um, that's all I'm going to tease it. It is. It's like I mean, how often if a company came up to you and said, "Hey, put together like your dream system, go," and you're like. You know, I mean, it's not, no, not just any company. How about <laughs> yeah. API? Yeah. 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 Exactly. You know. I mean, it's like it's like Ferrari saying, "Okay, you get to build a car." <laughs> if like, you insist, it's like here's your catalog, whatever you need, and you're like, and the only thing is, it just has to fit in the space here, and you have to be able to demo it, and it has to travel. I'm like, has to that that like all my checklists because you know I'm such a gear whore and I and I love making racks and wiring stuff. I believe me, I'm in I'm in seventh heaven on this whole thing, but. Um, but it'll be good. All right. Well, hey, listen. Um, 
If you guys have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audionowcastnetwork.com. That's audionowcastnetwork.com. I really want to thank all the listeners out there. You guys are great. You know, we'll go a month, we'll go weeks before we post a show, and you'll send little messages and stuff, and, and you're, just, you're just really good. And I know I mentioned last time that there were some people that were a little impatient, um, and, then, and then I got some responses by people who thought it was them, and it wasn't. <laughs> um, but the, the listeners have been great, and um, and. We're going to see you next year. Looking forward to doing some great podcasts. And from myself and everybody here, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, whatever you you know celebrate. Um, I just hope you have a great time with uh, all your loved ones. And um, really, can't say much more. Than Can that. we drink the whiskey yet? <laughs> <laughs> and you guys here is great. Thank you for sticking around another year. Um, well, let's just say this, Mike. Your consistency has been incredible for the show, and so why it's been so successful is really because you've been hosting. Amen. You guys are yeah. too kind. And here, Mike, I've got the mistletoe. Up the <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, Rob, be safe in your travels out there, brother. Thank you. I can't wait to see you guys in person again. All right. Looking forward to seeing you. All right. So for myself and all the guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel voice processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>